Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. I'm Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding, and I help you gain expertise in grant writing and coach you with systems so that you can become a freelance grant writer and 10x results all from the comfort of your own home. Welcome to episode 110. I am super duper excited. This has been an amazing ride as we continue to share and to move forward in grants and funding for your nonprofit or the nonprofits that you work with if you are a grant writing consultant. Today is a very special episode and this is Mr. Vule. And Vule is a writer, speaker, vegan, Pisces, and the former executive director of RVC, a nonprofit in Seattle that promotes social justice by developing leaders of color, strengthening organizations led by communities of color, and fostering collaboration between diverse communities. I was really honored to be able to see him as a keynote speaker at the Grant Writing Professional Conference back in November in DC in 2019. He is absolutely hilarious. So you'll have to check out his blog, which has like millions of subscribers. Like it's just huge. You may have heard of it. It's nonprofitaf.com. So please check it out. He is absolutely hilarious. He has tons of nonprofit humor. And even in his keynote, it was just brilliant. He also talks about very serious subjects, but he really has this this, uh, humor built in with it. So on the episode today, he really drops the humor a bit and he really goes a little deeper. So I really actually liked this interview with him because he really exposed a lot about his frustrations as a nonprofit executive director with grants and some kind of solutions that he's also thought of that foundations and even federal granting uh, grant makers could actually implement to help nonprofits. So if you agree with what he's talking about today, send me an email at holly at grantwritingandfunding.com. I would love to see what your response is to this interview. And also give him some love on nonprofitaf.com. You will love his blog. Once again, it's hilarious. I'll give the links as well. So if you want to check out grantwritingandfunding.com, I'll definitely give you links to the different things that he is a part of. But yeah, he really goes into depth about the frustrations that he has. And I think some of you will, and if not all of you, will also resonate with what he's talking about today. I know it was illuminating for me in a lot of situations that he talked about. And yeah, I was I was really enlightened to some of the, his perspectives and I appreciated them. So without further ado, here is Mr. Vule. All right. Hi, all. Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding podcast and YouTube channel. I'm Holly Rustic, and I'm here to help you grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance mission. And I have a very, very special guest with me today. This is Mr. Vu Le, and he is the executive director of RVC and also the advent blogger of nonprofit AF.com. So if you have not checked that out, do so. Love it. So welcome on the show, Boo. Thanks, Holly, for having me. Yeah. And we're here at the Grant Writing Professionals Association. I think I got that right. <laughs> Conference. <laughs> and uh, we're having a lot of fun. So we're in DC. I grabbed him right after his keynote, which was amazing. 
Like it was so good. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. It was the baby animal pictures. They do a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had baby animal pictures on every single slide with like all of this like deep content. So it was like, <laughs> and then we're like, oh, <laughs> and just click. Aw. And then like racism. You talk about racism. <laughs> yeah. But there's a cute little panda. <laughs> So good, so good. So thank you so much for being on the show. I yeah. just love this because I think what you talk about, you know, as far as your nonprofit and really advocating for people of color and in leadership positions is so important. Like we were talking about before we started recording on Guam, we have a lot of these similar issues, you know, almost 10 X in a certain type of way. Right. So I totally hear what you're saying. And I wasn't even aware of some of the stats that you covered. You know, you're saying like not plus 90% of different funding goes to white led organizations. So I was just like, man, that is actually very true. And especially like white male organizations, you know, we see a lot of that. So there's definitely racial disparities in, in the sector. I think about 18% of professionals are people of color. And of course, this gets less and less as we go up the hierarchy in leadership. Mm -hmm. So, and then there's also the gender imbalance as well. So mm -hmm. as we go up and up the hierarchy, there's going to be more and more white and there's going to be more and more male. Mm -hmm. And we need to talk about it. Also, the fact that we have, you know, community members, colleagues with disability, who's just mm -hmm. totally challenged by the structures that we create here in the, in, in the sector. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting because even, you know, being from, I've been living on Guam since 2011. And every time I come to the States, I kind of go through like this culture shock when I get here. So even when I walked into the conference, it was kind of like, oh, you know, <laughs> but you do see it's, you know, you see overwhelmingly a lot of women as grant writers, it seems as at least what we saw in the in the conference room right and it was really interesting to be like where where are their voices then right heard within this whole structure and like you were talking about it's kind of like air like the people who are writing grants you know you kind of like we don't appreciate yeah writers and fundraisers mm -hmm. enough and uh, it's often us executive directors who get mm -hmm. a lot of credit and uh, and then also Program staff, not as much credit, <laughs> but definitely grant writers and operations staff are in the background. And oftentimes we don't appreciate or even acknowledge these professionals until something goes wrong. Like, right. oh, I didn't get my payroll. So therefore, yeah. I need to, to the check writer. in with <laughs> <laughs> right. or the operations person, you know, why, mm -hmm. why didn't I get paid? But if things go well, you don't really notice a lot of people in our sector. We need to do a better job acknowledging everyone because it takes everyone to make this, this work. Yeah. Yeah. So I would love to hear more about your nonprofit a little bit. Like, can you talk about yeah. it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. RBC was formed to address the lack of leaders of color in the mm -hmm. sector. And also the fact that organizations led by communities of color have just been totally screwed by our field mm -hmm. because they can't apply for funding. A lot of the, the things that they have to navigate is designed for a certain cultural type, right? People who have the relationships, who can speak English fluently, mm -hmm. who can navigate the culture mm -hmm. efficiently. And so if you can't, like you can't answer things in a certain way, if your budget doesn't look a certain type of way or whatever, then you're just, even though you are probably the one who has the most knowledge about what it, what it takes to be effective in solving these problems with your community, or just in general, mm -hmm. people are like, well, they didn't have a good enough budget and lodging model. Mm 
Right. And that really needs to change. So we've been mm-hmm. trying to work with organizations to really help them to, to develop their infrastructure and their capacity building. Capacity building really needs to change. Yeah. I think in some ways it's been very harmful to mm-hmm. many organizations because it is based on some very outdated, archaic philosophies that is pervasive in this society. For example, you know, this whole pull yourselves up by the bootstrap mentality. Oh, yeah. Applies to nonprofits too, which mm-hmm. is why funders are like, well, how are you going to sustain this program after mm-hmm. one year? We're not going to yeah. fund you for more than one or two years mm-hmm. because we don't want you depending on us. That basically says, sends this message that nonprofits are freeloaders and they need to get off their asses and, and be self-sustaining, mm-hmm. which is insulting and also unrealistic. Oh, it's so insulting. Yeah. And that's even when people are like, oh, I need grants for this and this and this, you know, and all the, and, and I kind of look at them and I say, think of a grant as a startup. It's just startup money for a project and it's going to be over <laughs> soon. You know what I mean? Like it's not going to be a sustained stream of funding. But it so, should be this way. It should be, but no, it's I'm, not. Yeah. But here's a, but I think we have to talk about yeah. the difference between how, how effective conservative funders are and progressive funders. Right. Because not all funders are the same. No. Conservative funders do fund over long periods of time, like that's 20 true. or 30 years at mm-hmm. a time. And over here on the progressive side, we are lucky we get three year five years, five years is like miraculous. Yeah. But conservatives, they fund for decades at a time. And that's why in the last few years, they have been so effective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we have to get out of this, like nonprofits are parasites and freeloaders. No, yeah. Sort of mentality, and are we actually partners or not? Right. If we're partners and we're effective. Then this funding needs to be continued to be funded so we can keep doing the work and we have the stability plan and innovate. Mm-hmm. Right now, we don't have that. No, no, you don't. Because it's just like, oh, I have to develop something and then in the year that you're rolling out the project you're also working on other grants to get money to come in the door yeah because this whole like it's no longer sexy after three years this project i'm like three years is the minimum it takes just to get the ball rolling right something and then at that point it's like oh you're no longer innovative Mm -hmm. and we're gonna find something else something shinier right right i think foundations do a better job i mean not all but of sustaining funding like federal grants that you jump around a little bit and it, yeah, it's easier to get funding once you've had a federal grant to get another federal grant, right? It's like that whole thing. But a lot of times they say, if we've already funded you, then you have to wait two more, two years to apply again. Whereas foundation grants, they're a little bit more, they, I think have that too, but I think more of them because they can be a little bit more picky and do what they want with their money. They have, they're a little bit easier to fund long-term. Yeah. But this is the thing. We have to get out of this mentality that it's their money. Yeah. When okay. when a family gives money into a into a foundation, they set mm-hmm. the money aside. That mm-hmm. money is no longer their money, and yet we still have the sort of belief that this is the family's money. It mm-hmm. is not. It is public money, right? Mm-hmm. And we have to treat it as such. Mm-hmm. So we have to get foundations and family members out of this mentality that this is their money, especially when Ooh, so much good. of the money yeah. is like tax shelter, right? Right. Money that should be going to taxes to be democratically utilized by the public, mm-hmm. and but instead we have. We've been squirreling money into grants and, you know, they do lots and do really good things, mm-hmm. but it cannot be the sort of pet project sort of philosophy right. where it's just like, I'm just going to focus on the things that I know, which means that you're going to focus on things that, that resonate with you. And mm-hmm. there are lots of good things, you know, mm-hmm. animal missions and everything and parks and environmental. Yes, these are all important, mm-hmm. but that also means that we are not addressing things that that wealthy individuals don't want to think about because it makes them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. For example, systemic racism Mm -hmm. or the fact that we have kids in cages right now or the fact that black community members are getting shot and killed Mm -hmm. for being black because it's it's, it's a racist sort Mm -hmm. of system that we are in. Mm -hmm. No one wants to fund many of these things. They want to fund advocacy. Mm -hmm. So we have to do 
it's just a better job just talking about these different issues and, and lifting up these important things. So how do you think is a good way to go about getting uh, funding for those types of projects? Well, I think funders have to do a much better job educating themselves mm-hmm. and getting out this mentality that they are like this neutral party and nonprofits just need to apply and play this hunger games because that's what it does. Yeah. It creates this hunger games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, imagine if a, a food bank is like, you know, we know there's lots of hungry people and we don't have so much food to go around. So we're just going to ask uh, poor people to write essays and talk about how, how hungry they are. Mm-hmm. And we're going to score them on a rubric about how hungry, how good their essays are. And then we'll give food that way. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It is. So funders have to take on the responsibility of mm-hmm. actually going out into the community and find out what are the needs so mm-hmm. that it, the burden is not just on organizations and communities to demonstrate the need. Mm-hmm. And so that is something that we have to start shifting. Also, funders have to be doing this. Mm-hmm. And that means, and if, if they go out and they actually start listening and doing the research, they will find out that there are things that are that are effective that they need to focus on. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I love that shift of, yeah, because I know a lot of times it is applying to the different foundations and it is, it's always, show, you have to showcase that need. You have to, you know what I mean? And it's like, even for um, different HUD grants, I know I've been a part of, oh my gosh, those are hard because you have to show a certain type of homelessness according to their definition. So basically it's like, okay, they need to go sleep on the street in front of the place for 24 hours after 30 days, just to, you know what I mean? Just to say that they're homeless. It's just ridiculous. It is so just it's gotten like I think you're talking about in your speech that intellectualism Mm -hmm. to that point where it's just like it makes no logical sense at all anymore even these logic models we have logic (laughs) models yeah you know as much as I sometimes like them they have been weaponized a lot Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and oftentimes at the detriment of organizations led by marginalized communities Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you know I I remember helping an ED of color write Mm -hmm. a logic model it took 12 hours because I had to go to her board and facilitate a uh, four-hour meeting yeah. to talk about what this is and et cetera. And then we submitted a grant and it was rejected. And there was, well, their response was, well, sorry, you know, you, your logic model wasn't good enough. It didn't talk enough about poverty or it didn't have enough arrows or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this was for a well, it's not color-coded. Grant, yeah, right? yeah. And I'm like, what? The logic model is just basically, why are you doing this? What are you going to do? What are the outcomes? I mean, yeah. that's basically the entire thing. You could ask that in a yeah, yeah, form. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. instead we start kind of ritualizing mm-hmm. and intellectualizing many of these things. Yeah. And, and they just become thoughtless hoops yeah. to prevent communities. And this is, this explains, mm-hmm. helps explain why 90% of funding is still going to white-led organizations because yeah. they can play the game better. Yeah, effectively. absolutely. I know um, one organization, the Administration for Native Americans, have you worked with them at all? No. Um, they're really good, actually. They understand that a lot of the people that are applying are obviously of tribes and they may not have, right, this background. So they go in and they do a lot of free training and consultation and their peer review is very robust. But these organizations are very few and far between, right, that actually understand, I think, we need to, you know, assist, right, more in that application process. But still, it is a very, very lengthy, complex process. So it's just, yeah, it, like, so how do we then, like, okay, getting the foundations, getting people who are the funding sources more into the communities, more to do their part, if you will. What else can, what else can be done to really, you know? I would question this entire grant application process. So mm-hmm. We always talk about how do we improve grant processes? Mm-hmm. 
But the question I would really pose to the field is, are grant proposals even the best way to distribute funding mm -hmm. to communities? And I would say, no, they're not. Okay. We waste hundreds mm -hmm. of thousands of hours. Brilliant grant professionals are out there, you know, writing grants, mm -hmm. which I think is great. But we have to stop and think like, why are we just copying and pasting from one thing to another? And mm -hmm. why is so much money? As I mentioned in the keynote, like if, if a grant takes 10 hours and to write, and there's 100, PV, 100 organizations applying, that means a thousand hours is spent. Only if only ten organizations get funded, that means nine hundred hours are wasted. When we could have just submit a, you know, like our own master grant, mm -hmm. and just that just has that's just excellent, has everything. And most a lot of the information is already on our website. It's yeah. already on our nine ninety. Mm -hmm. It's in our annual report that you can just download. Yeah. So why do we have to go through the rigmarole of translating things into different the whims of various different funders, which is like, oh, I want my grant proposal would just be five pages or one page or whatever when all that information so it's okay to waste our mm -hmm. time the people who are doing the work but it's not okay to waste the time of people reviewing grant application mm -hmm. is and that just sends the message that their time is more important than our time even though we are the ones out there right making the world better mm -hmm. by providing services and programs right it makes no sense so people ask me well if, mm -hmm. if we just get rid of grant ap applications what do we do yeah well, again, it's about foundations doing their due diligence and doing the actual work mm -hmm. of finding which communities that need. And it's going to be communities that are most marginalized, most affected by social injustice. They're not going to be the ones to write the best grant proposals anyways. Mm -hmm. Finding that out. Or wouldn't it be great we just all have a, a central grant proposal? Yeah. Or, you know, reversing this sort of like database. Why don't we just each just upload one grant application? If funders, they can just go and find all the information. Exactly. They need to. If it was just all the same and they could just even be on your website so they could go and look yeah. for it, that would be so much better. Like I totally, that's, <laughs> sorry. I'm like <laughs> mind blown. No, I love this conversation because I'm always in the nitty gritty of it, right? So to be like, no, why don't you just change your paradigm? And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is liberating because it is, it's frustrating even as I'm like, oh my gosh, you keep going back and forth, even negotiations. And can you just change the past tense to the, you know what I mean? It's really this. We it have is. time for yeah. the typo checking and oh all this stuff. Oh my gosh, And yeah. actually it's, it's extremely patriarchal. Mm -hmm. it's, it's patronizing. I actually had some friends who are grant writers who were like, oh, we didn't get this because we had a few typos and they said that we, we, we were not qualified or whatever. This is yeah, it's like, because my grammar, does that reflect my uh, ability to serve the homeless people or to, you know, serve women's needs or whatever? Like, it doesn't, you know what I mean? So it's very interesting to be like, why would you marginalize off of that? You know, because they do. They do. They do. And it's based on suspicion. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we basically treat nonprofits the way the society treats poor people. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, we'll help you. You know, you're poor. We'll help you. We'll give you money. But we don't actually trust you to buy yeah. food. Because we think that you're just going to buy beer and hot Cheetos or whatever. And so you can't buy, yes. you know. Yeah. And also, uh, you can only get so much so much support if you start, like, working and you you, meet, you go over the threshold. And mm -hmm. we, we're not going to, we're going to pull all the support from you. It's the same. Yeah. Funders expect sustainability. But if mm -hmm. we have more than three or four months 
of, of reserve. They're like, oh, sorry, you don't need us because you have all this No, reserve. you're good. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. No. And then we're like, suspicious. but yeah, but we need that money set aside. We need general <laughs> operating funds. Like <laughs> It should just all be general operating funds. Yeah, it should funds. be. All funding it should, should be, be multi-general operating yes. funds. Because I, I think I'm reaching a point now where I believe that restricted funding is unethical. Yeah. No, because, you're right. Because it's no, preventing yeah. us from doing work that could help save lives. It's yeah. like going to a doctor and saying, um, you can't use this scalpel. I'm only going to fund you and you can only use this money to pay for number three scalpels, but not number seven. Yeah. Then that means that the yeah. doctor cannot And you do can't pay work. your doctor either. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And what does that yeah. mean? That means that the doctor can't do the work. That means yeah. that people will die. Exactly. And so by research. But you got a grant. <laughs> right. I, yeah. I like, um, do you know, um, the Women Institute's uh, trust-based philanthropy? Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. So they've been advancing this, this concept called trust-based philanthropy. Where mm -hmm. the, it's based on trust, not suspicion. And so it's really about, well, multi-year general operating fund, but also about the funders doing the work of, of doing the homework. Mm -hmm. I remember calling them to ask for a meeting. They're like, oh, sure, we'll, we'll talk to you in about two weeks. And then I, I called them two weeks later and they're like, oh, we have these questions for you. And I was like, wow, these questions are really good. How did you have such amazing questions? Like, oh, we spent all this time on your website. We read through your 36 page formative nice. assessment. We know everything about you that's out there. And the mm -hmm. only thing that we don't have is this one budget information. So can you just, just send that over? Oh my gosh, that's so, so like, amazing. Yeah. It took me like two minutes to send our budget yeah. over. And we got, I think, $40,000. Oh, that's so that. amazing. I need to go check them out. They are amazing. And they're yeah. like spreading to um, other foundations. So there's like really amazing foundations, like Robert Sterling Clark Foundation mm -hmm. in New York. Mm -hmm. They called me up and said, boo, we want to support you. Mm -hmm. And but well, we know that you're very busy. So can you just form, find a grant proposal that you wrote for another foundation and just forward it to us? Oh, like, man. Don't even worry wow. about changing the name of that foundation. Yeah. You know, I'm sure all the information is the same. Mm -hmm. Just forward. You oh, know, I, I hung so up nice. my phone and I went through my phone and found this grant that I had spent 40 hours yeah. in the past writing yeah, yeah, yeah. with 10 attachments. And I just forwarded the whole package. Oh, that's beautiful. And we got money. Yeah. And we still have this money. This is like amazing. That like, is just amazing. Save 40 hours that I can now put into doing the work yeah and it's all the same information anyways it's all the same. yeah <laughs> it's like, <laughs> i don't have to appease to your whims like you're saying you know yeah. what i mean you don't have to like oh yeah that's amazing okay so i like this i like that okay let's you know look at that and talk to see how funding sources can actually start changing the way they look at nonprofits. right yes. um so amazing so um just to segue then into your blog I love your blog. And if you guys haven't seen it, definitely check it out. So it's www.nonprofitaf.com, right? Am I saying that right? Okay, uh -huh. good. All Stands right. for and fearless. And fearless. Yeah, there's a lot of unicorns on there. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> but you do a lot of work and you've been doing this for a long time. And it's interesting to see that this work is like your personal work. Yeah, in a way, like it's your personal you are in it. And then you have your nonprofit, which is separate. So you have like your own voice as a person and as like, you know, I am actually a person who's an executive director and have a voice and I go through this. And I think, you know, you've just had so much reach with that blog. So it's really, really cool. So can you just talk about it a little bit, like how you find the time to do it and just what, how you, like what you get out of doing it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Nonprofit AF has been around for about seven years. Mm -hmm. It was started when a funder asked me to, SVP, asked me to write for their website. And I said, oh, oh it's a funder. I can't say no. <laughs> <laughs> but then I realized, I don't know, this might be a great way to actually get a platform. So I really do appreciate SVP for encouraging me. Yeah. Because I was so mired in doing my work that I, yeah. and I think this is the same with all of us in the sector. Like mm -hmm. today, we had this musical 
Yeah. And there was just so many talented singers up on stage. Yeah, they were like rapping. They were rapping. They were doing <laughs> so mouth, yeah, Grand Professional, the musical. Yeah. And it was a riff on Hamilton's. Uh, it was song. awesome. And I was just like, we suppress so much of ourselves to do this work. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. so many of us are just so brilliant and creative yeah. and talented in so many different ways, right? And I realized I really loved writing. Mm -hmm. And I always have had, but my writing was so focused on grant writing the mm -hmm. last uh, mm -hmm. years prior. And I was like, you know what? I need to like tap back into this. So mm -hmm. the blog was a great way for me to start really channeling my creative writing skills mm -hmm. in a way that uh, could be meaningful to the sector. Yeah. Because so much of the writing is academic. <laughs> yeah. And it's important to have the academic writing. It is. But we also need people to interpret the academic We do. There's so much the jargon, right? That you're like, I don't even know what you're talking. And then people get over, I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> right? And they walk away. But your stuff is just like, you have references to like Game of Thrones, Star Wars. Like, you know, you do all this fun stuff that is totally relatable. Totally relatable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's for the people in the sector. We're yeah. human beings. We mm -hmm. have interests. And there's just so many brilliant, talented, hilarious people in the sector. And mm -hmm. we need to kind of recognize that. And so... I've been really grateful that I've had a, a chance and people have been responding to the blog. So I don't take it for granted. So yeah. It does take really a lot good. of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, because I know people are reading it, then it does, it takes me four to eight hours to write these blog posts. And it's on a Sunday. I don't know. And I got kids, so it can be challenging balancing everything, but I know this is common for everyone in the sector. Yeah. But I love that you're still allowing your creativity to come through. That, I mean, it's just, it, I think it does help a lot of people. And then you also have a Patreon account too, right? So people can go and they can check you out and get, like, what's all in your Patreon? Like, if you're a member of that. Right? <laughs> you know, this is funny because I, uh, I was resistant to Patreon for a mm -hmm. while until my friend was like, look, you don't have a paywall on nonprofit AF. Anyone can access this. It takes you 10 to 15 hours to manage the blog. And do yeah, and you're spending your money on the and content. Like, you know, I yeah. believe people should get paid if there's people watching and listening and reading, right? You know yeah, what I mean? That, yeah. Like you said, that's your Sunday with your kids. <laughs> yeah, so like, it's yeah. Sunday evening. Yeah. And then I, I realized, yeah, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to put a paywall up because yeah. I know there's lots of people out there who, who appreciate the, the writing mm -hmm. but there are those who want to people have been asking like can we support you can we donate and in the past I was like well donate to my organization this mm -hmm. is it's really helpful but then I realized you know I'm, I'm taking my weekend days to write the blog post and yeah. outside work hours mm -hmm. and that also affects sort of like my my livelihood mm -hmm. so people have been very supportive I, I, I appreciate that but the different the levels are different because I'm just like I I don't really want to to really engage. it's not that i it's so the levels are basically your unicorn mm -hmm. <laughs> you donate two dollars you're a unicorn so mm -hmm. that's a unicorn level you donate five dollars you're a unicorn mm -hmm. you donate twenty dollars you're a unicorn <laughs> and the prices you get is that i continue to write because right i can't juggle any more levels and prices no. and complexity so apologies to all the patreon no uh, i love it <laughs> supporters who's just like this is all i'm getting yeah. Like, no, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's like people are getting, you know, they're getting like these newsletters that are full of this great, funny content, but it's more than that. It's like you could, have you put them together as a book yet? Any of your blogs? No, I'm, I'm, I'm good at writing. I'm really terrible at editing. Oh, that's compiling. okay. You can hire somebody. <laughs> that's what I do. Maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should do that. But yeah. there's, there's like 380 blog posts. Yeah. So it's like 380,000 words and it probably needs to be cut down right. into like three or four books. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but they're so random that it's it's really to hard. I, I tried to get them together, and it was just it was way too much. And I don't think in this sort of organized way. Yeah. Then your creativity gets shut down a little bit because you're not. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I'm not creating. Yeah. But I really do respect the people who are able to take what's created and really polish it and organize it and rearrange it. That's, that's yeah. an amazing skill that I wish I had, but I don't. <laughs> you can always hire someone to help you out with it. Yeah. But yeah, I think that would be cool. But I mean, yeah, it's just great anyways. Like, I love that you have something there where people can support you financially to continue writing because like, that's like its own little business. Like you have created this huge platform, you know what I mean? To really help people and just make their day brighter. And I know I share stuff with my members and with people out there, you know what I mean? So that's it's solid. just, yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Because it just makes me laugh and it takes the stress away. And like you said, we don't... A lot of times as grant writers and people in nonprofits, they just don't, you know, take the time for their creativity and it just, they get burned out. They have health problems. Like I've known so many people in the nonprofit industry that have had heart, heart attacks, they've died, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just, it is, it is a lot of burden to be like how, especially, you know, they have employees and these grants are running out. They don't know how they're going to pay them, you know, and those people have their stories and it's just, it's. There's so much to it, you know? So I really appreciate that humor is helpful. It really is medicine. And it just is good to be like, it makes you think in a different way. Even what we were talking about today so far, like I was like, mind blown, because <laughs> it is, but your humor does that too, you know? So it's really, it's awesome. So anyways, yeah, Thank raving you. about you. So what are you gonna do now? So on your on your blog post recently, you said, okay, I'm transitioning out of ED, yeah. your executive director position. So what's, what's the future like for you? Yeah, I, um, I don't know. I was told I need to be in neutral for a bit and that uh, especially in this Western individual, uh, individual focused society where individualism is very much tied to, to your profession and mm, things, it's, yeah. it's kind of hard. Yeah. So what happens is that we're always doing one thing or another. And as soon as we have one transition, we feel the sense of loss because we don't know what to do because our self-worth is so tied mm -hmm. to what we do. Mm -hmm. And so I've really been reflecting on that. And colleagues have been advising me to not uh, commit to anything. Just like slow down, recharge, don't think too much, mm -hmm. uh, don't plan too much. Just let yourself be in neutral for a few months. So I'm going to try that. I'm going to watch Netflix for a few months <laughs> and be a stay-at-home dad. Love it. But I think eventually I do want to write a book and maybe work on a nonprofit sketch comedy show. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> for Netflix, probably. Yeah. Unless you know, if you know anyone from Netflix, let hey. me know. Yay, yeah. 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 And I don't know, maybe go into executive coaching or something. We do have one of the reasons why I'm leaving. I love the work. I love my organization. It's been the most rewarding thing I've, I've done professionally mm -hmm. is be this executive director. Uh, for the last 13 years but it mm -hmm. has been 13 years yeah. and i need a break and there was no sabbatical that's another thing is like put a sabbatical policy mm -hmm. in your personnel policies be good and health insurance health insurance mm -hmm. pay family leave yeah. etc yeah. but that's that's the thing it's like we put so much of ourselves into into the sector yeah and it is really exhausting mm -hmm. playing the funding game the funny sudoku the nonprofit yeah. hunger games it is also you know, being an ED of color, mm -hmm. it can also be very challenging because people are like, well, you need to understand, you need to be perfect about everything here. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I am just a human being and I make mistakes yeah. and stuff too. Mm -hmm. But it's, it can be, so there's just a lot of pressure being put on EDs. Yeah. And combined with the funding also, not in my case, but I talked to a lot of leaders where their boards are not supportive 
their staff are always criticizing and with valid criticism, but at the same time, it's, you know, we have to, we need to be able to take care of ourselves. And sometimes it's okay to take a break. It is, it's important. And yeah, I love the sector. I'm not mm -hmm. going anywhere. My mm -hmm. role will just shift a little bit mm -hmm. and I might be more helpful to the sector. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I go back to always if it's if it's not like a hell yeah, it's a hell no. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> I like if, yeah. If you're not feeling it completely, then you're not going to give a hundred percent. You know, and that's what I've told people too is before, Holly, can you do this? And I'm like, oh, that sounds good, but I kind of feel like this eh, about it, and I'll just tell them I'm not going to show up a hundred percent, so I can't do it. You know what I mean? And that's like a good way to say no. <laughs> but you know, that's I love that you're actually listening to whatever that is in you that's saying I need a break now and taking it because I think the mistake is a lot of people hear those nudges they see the red flags they you know what I mean and then they don't do it though they don't listen to it right we have to do a way better job taking care of ourselves mm -hmm. we are burning out in the sector yeah. and oftentimes this concept of self-care is is more things on our to-do list yes. right like, oh, you got to do more yoga. We're in this meditation room. Yeah, we are. <laughs> so, so no one's in here. You need to do more exercise. You need to drink more green smoothies. You yeah. need to do yoga. Yeah. You need to meditate, et cetera. When really the sector, and I, so I, I do like um, Beth Cantor and uh, Lisa Sherman's book, mm -hmm. The Happy Healthy Nonprofit. Oh, nice. I haven't um, heard of that one. I'll have to look yeah, into it. Yeah, and it's really, it's one of the main things that I got out of this, but it's really shifting the concept of self-care into we care. Oh, so nice. it's about the nonprofit and the center oh, that's itself. So nice. Really thinking about like what yeah. we mentioned, paid family leave, yeah. vacation time. You know, you can take it. You retirement. Can it. Yeah, retirement. We don't. There's not. That's hardly in nonprofit. There is no. One. Yeah. I just wrote the blog post this week about that, which yeah. is like we need to stop joking about retirement. It's sometimes so true. we ask. How are you going to retire? Oh, yeah, I saw all the people on Facebook, how they responded, the response right? has been, yeah. I plan to die. Yeah, really, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, that is, that's not good. We cannot, it's not good. That cannot be our reward for a lifetime of service no. in the sector. Is this uncertain future yeah. as we grow older. That's It's terrible. awful, and then people can quit because yeah. they can't. They don't they have, can't. yeah, they can't. So that's blocking sort of yeah. the pipeline of leadership. Yeah. So we as a sector need to do a way better job with yeah. self-care, with we care. Yeah, you know, my always gets me is, oh, let's do a volunteer appreciation. We'll make it a potluck. And I'm like, so now you're gonna make the people who volunteer and also go and cook or go buy stuff so they can appreciate themselves. Like, can no. they volunteer to help clean up? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, they're also gonna volunteer to be there at 7 a.m. to Please clean up your way out of the <laughs> yeah. potluck. Oh, it just gets me every time. I'm like, if you're gonna appreciate them, you gotta like provide it. They gotta be like, Maybe that's, maybe that's what oh. we need to do. It's like, we're going to drive to volunteers' houses and just give yeah, them Yeah, give them food. Exactly. Yeah. Or like their favorite drink. We're not going to ask them to come to this thing that's on it. a Sunday afternoon or whatever, yeah. take just time away from their family. Us, we'll drop you off a box full of stuff and you'll never have to see us again. That's right. Yeah. We'll see you on Monday. Yeah. Put it in your freezer. Yeah, I could chocolate, totally do that. Dark chocolate yep. for everyone. Yep, yep. Everyone yeah. gets dark chocolate. I love that. That should be a new delivery thing. Maybe that should be your business. You oh, open up. Yeah. That's not bad. That's, that's, that's actually that, really good. You made me think, Holly. Yeah. Maybe I should have a business of volunteers. I will yeah. appreciate the volunteers. Yeah. And all you have to do, the nonprofit, they just got to pay you. They don't even have yeah. to touch it. See? Exactly. I think it'll go over really well. And then you can make a lot of people happy. <laughs> so, all right. So, okay, Vu, what else do you want to add? We've talked about all kinds of stuff today. So... I want people to find you. Where can they find you? Yeah, yeah. I can be reached at Nonprofit AF 
nonprofitaf.com. Uh, you can email me at vu at nonprofitaf.com. Also at nonprofitaf on Twitter. Great. Okay, I'm so you're Instagram really good on. Page, but I'm not good okay. on Instagram. You're a Twitterer. Twitter. I'm actually. A Videos. Your Facebook? I have a Facebook page that's pretty active. Maybe okay. because there's no character limits on things, mm -hmm. and I tend to be kind of long-winded. So you're big so, on Facebook. Is there an open group people can go to? There's Nonprofit Happy Hour, which uh, spun oh, off of Nonprofit AF, and there's yeah. also ED Happy Hour for the EDs, and then there's ED of Color Happy Hour. Wow. EDs in color. So find those groups. Like you are managing groups. a lot. Oh, I don't manage them. We have brilliant okay. volunteers. Oh, good. That oh, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You need that chocolate delivery. Yeah, to them. No, they are. Everyone's yeah. been incredible. Nonprofit Happy Hour has like 43,000 members. Oh, that's like, amazing. And it's managed by this brilliant group of leaders and moderators who just are, they all do it, you know, as volunteers. The same with ED Happy Hour and the other groups. Yeah. And it's fun all, all around. There's like, I think there's a group in Australia and other places. <sighs> I love it. Man, yeah. your reach is huge. Like, that's amazing that you have that. I feel like, you know, like when you were able to be yourself and start at this blog, right? Did you yeah. really feel like it just like exponentially you're able to reach so many more people than just being the ED at your, you know what I mean? <laughs> Not that it's no, just, I thought, but. I never thought that that would be the case. Yeah. Um, I do think that we do need to write and think differently. Mm -hmm. And I think that we need to highlight the voices of people of color, of women, yeah. people with disabilities, mm -hmm. LGBTQ communities, yeah. neurodiversity is something we need to highlight and do more of. Mm -hmm. So we need to have these voices uh, lifted. So I'm oh, trying yeah. to encourage more people. But then we also have like imposter syndrome and things. And <sighs> people are like, I don't know, my writing is not good enough. I'm like, well, neither is a lot of this stuff out there. So yeah. you, but how are you going to develop good writing if you're not going to continue to practice? Right or being on videos or whatever, right? You have to practice. It's like going to the gym. Mm -hmm. Writing is like going to the gym. You have to do it consistently. Yep. Or you're not going to see the result. And as you do it more consistently, it becomes easier and easier as you develop the, the muscle. Yeah, it's a Theoretically, process. Theoretically, I've never actually been to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know what I'm talking about. You're like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the gym. You can go in there. The the and those <laughs> <on> the <laughs> yeah no it's true it's true i i also teach um english comp right so yeah and i say that with my my students all the time it's just writing it's a process like you, all of us you know and they look at me and i'm like i have like i seriously have editors for my stuff too you know what i mean not as much as i should on my my um articles yeah, we, I mean, you never hard. like, yeah. yeah. I mean, yes, there is a process to creation. Yeah. But I think people are so focused on the process. Oh, that they don't publish. Creation, right? Yeah. So for me, because I am so busy mm -hmm. with running a nonprofit and having two kids who are adorable but exhausting, mm -hmm. <laughs> is that I don't have time to actually thoughtfully kind of lay out everything and get it edited. So yeah. I, I, I work from when the kids go to bed, which mm -hmm. is about 8, 8, 8 p.m. Mm -hmm. So 8 p.m. until like 2 1 or 2 a.m. I do my writing and publish immediately. Yeah. There's no editing. Yeah. Yeah. And the next morning I wake up, I'm like, oh my God, this is terrible. There's so much. You're like, but I'm busy. I got to go to work. Right. <laughs> right. So just have a disclaimer on your blog, which yeah. is like, hey, yeah. there's going to be some typos because I'm trying yeah. to get things out there. Quantity is more important. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I've had really people write me, be like, Holly, did you know this? And I'm like, 
uh, yeah, <laughs> it's nice to see that. So, you know what I mean? So it's hard to get back to a lot of that. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you can like, oh, that's like a big one. So I got to change that. A lot of times though, I'm like, it's okay. And I just publish more because really people are looking at the content, right? They're not looking necessarily at all the grammar and everything. And we have to get out of that. Yeah. <laughs> we need to focus on creating the content and yeah. saying important, courageous things. Mm -hmm. Don't let the process and these sort of ritualized expectations from society prevent you from saying courageous things because no, no, we only have one life. Yeah. And our work is important and we have mm -hmm. to be able to do courageous things and take risks. And if I mean people are go to you and criticize you what or whatever, then but I, I do think it's worth it. And I do meaningful sure. things is going yeah. to lead to more challenging conversations mm -hmm. and, and so on. Yeah. That's awesome. So do you have anything else left for one last takeaway? Uh, I just want to say I really appreciate the sector. I know I criticize the sector a lot. I mm -hmm. criticize funders a lot. Mm -hmm. I criticize our own sector a lot. <laughs> 90% of the blog is criticism. Mm -hmm. right? yep. And the other 10% is pictures of baby animals. Yeah. But Lots I love the sector. I love the people in the sector. Mm -hmm. I love just the amazing brilliance of the people in this sector because we deal with so many restrictions and unrealistic expectations and yet we are working every single day to to help people and to build community and to make the world better and we are not seen because we're like air mm -hmm. no one appreciates nonprofits until we are gone like air mm -hmm. and you know i just want to say that i really appreciate the people in the sector the work really is difficult and you all do it every single day and i appreciate it Awesome. Thank you so much, Boo. I so appreciate you being on this show because you're even in the sector and your work is amazing and you're also very inspiring to so many people. So thank you so much. Yeah. And if you guys haven't checked them out, please do. We'll have all of the links in the show notes. Do you want to join the Changemaker Tribe and get courses, downloadable checklists, samples of awarded grants, behind the scenes live Q&A with myself and the tribe and discounts on grant services? Be sure to join the Changemaker membership at www.grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash membership. Thank you for listening to this grant writing and funding podcast. I hope you've enjoyed your time. For more questions, email Holly at holly at grantwritingandfunding.com or visit www.grantwritingandfunding.com. 